is a place where they'll pay you a thousand dollars for a kiss and fifty cents for your soul. Welcome to Hollyweird, a podcast about celebrity deaths and the strange events in Tinseltown and beyond. We are your hosts, Megan Carpenter and Liz Shire. Welcome to season two. Sorry we left you hanging, but we are back. We are rested, we are researched, and we are salivating over all things pop culture. Thanks for joining us again, or if you're new, welcome to Hollyweird. Here are today's headlines. She was young and beautiful and a star, but the trail she was blazing through the music world was cut tragically short just one week ago tonight by murder. On the morning of March 31st, Selena came to this motel in Corpus Christi to confront Yolanda about thousands of dollars that were missing. 911, what is your location? Uh, Days in Motel, it's 901 Navigation Boulevard. Post on in. We have a woman ran in the lobby, said she's been shot, she's laid on the floor and there's blood. It's when the call came in that Selena had been in an accident to go to the emergency room. When I went to inside the emergency room, they told me that she had died. The woman accused of that murder was a fan, perhaps her biggest fan. She didn't hide her love for the young star. But was she hiding something else? Word got out that Selena had been shot. Hundreds of fans gathered near the motel parking lot. Selena's memorial service resembled a state funeral. 8,000 white roses, her favorite, were placed near her casket. No one really knows what dark impulses may have driven Selena's accused murderer. In this episode of Hollyweird, we cover the death of a crossover star who was Coma La Flor, the one and only Selena Quintanilla. March 31st, 1995, Corpus Christi, Texas. Tejano music superstar Selena visited a Days Inn motel to meet with Yolanda Saldivar, president of her fan club and manager of her clothing boutiques. The intention of her meeting was a difficult one. Selena was meeting with Yolanda to fire her. In the few months leading to the meeting, Selena's father Abraham had discovered that Saldivar was embezzling money from the star and her business ventures. On top of receiving complaints from store staff about Saldivar's irrational management style and complaints from fan club members who claimed to have paid dues and received nothing in return, Abraham discovered that Saldivar had embezzled more than $30,000 in forged checks from the fan club and the stores. In early March, Abraham met with Selena and her sister Suzette 
and Yolanda Saldivar to share his discovery. Abraham told Yolanda that if she did not provide evidence that disproved his accusations, he would involve the local police. He additionally banned Saldivar from having any contact with Selena. However, Selena did not want to dissolve their friendship. She thought Saldivar was essential to the success of her clothing line in Mexico. Selena also wanted to keep her close because she had bank records, statements, and financial records necessary for tax preparation. Selena's mission on that fateful day a few weeks later was to collect the financial statements from Saldivar and part ways for good. Tragically, that meeting would result in her untimely death. Upon arguing, Selena had enough. Turning her back to Saldivar, she left the motel room with her purse, a phone, and paperwork in hand. It was when she turned her back to Saldivar that Yolanda retrieved a gun from her purse and pointed it at the singer. Shooting once, the bullet entered Selena's back in the lower region of her right shoulder, severing an artery and causing severe blood loss. As she stumbled into the parking lot, still alive but critically wounded, Selena ran towards the lobby, leaving a nearly 400-foot-long trail of blood behind her. She collapsed on the floor of the lobby as the clerk called 911. Before collapsing, Selena named Saldivar as her assailant and gave the number of the room where she had been shot. Selena was technically dead on arrival at Corpus Christi Hospital. The attending emergency room physician still attempted to revive her. Cardiologist Lewis Elkins continued the treatment and performed surgery based on the emergency room physician's decision. Doctors were able to establish an erratic heartbeat long enough to transfer her to the trauma room. After 50 minutes of surgery, she was pronounced dead from blood loss and cardiac arrest. An autopsy was performed on the same day due to overwhelming media interest. It was revealed that the bullet had entered Selena's upper right back near her shoulder blade, passed through her chest cavity, severed the right subclavian artery, and exited her upper right chest. Meanwhile, Saldivar attempted to leave in her pickup truck. She was, however, spotted by a responding police cruiser. She surrendered after a nearly nine-and-a-half-hour standoff with police and FBI. By that time, hundreds of fans had gathered at the scene. On April 1st, Bayfront Plaza in Corpus Christi held a vigil which drew 3,000 fans. During the event, it was announced that a public viewing of the casket would be held at the Bayfront Auditorium the following day. Fans lined up for almost a mile. An hour before the doors opened, rumors that the casket was empty began circulating, which prompted the Quintanilla family to have an open casket viewing. About 30,000 to 40,000 fans passed by Selena's casket. More than 78,000 signed a book of condolence. At the request of Selena's family, video and flash photography were banned. On April 3, 1995, 600 guests, mostly family members, attended Selena's burial at Seaside Memorial Park in Corpus Christi, Texas, which was broadcast live by a Corpus Christi and San Antonio radio station without the consent of her family. The Quintanilla family are Jehovah's Witnesses and a Jehovah's Witness minister from Lake Jackson preached at the burial. Hundreds of people began circling the area in their vehicles. A special mass held on the same day at Los Angeles Sports Arena drew a crowd of 4,000. 
On April 12, 1995, two weeks after Selena's death, George W. Bush, governor of Texas at the time, declared her birthday April 16th, Selena Day, in the state. He said Selena represented the essence of South Texas culture. In October 1995, a Houston jury convicted Saldivar of first-degree murder and sentenced her to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 30 years in 2025. In 2002, under a judge's order, the gun used to kill Selena was destroyed and the pieces were thrown into Corpus Christi Bay. Turns out the gun was presumably missing until 2002 when a court reporter found it in a box in her home. <coughs> Hoarder. <coughs> Fans and historians disapproved of the decision to destroy the gun, saying the event was historical and the gun should have been in a museum. Selena Quintanilla was born on April 16, 1971, in Lake Jackson, Texas. She was the youngest child of Marcella and Abraham Quintanilla, Jr. Selena's father noticed her musical abilities when she was just six years old. Later telling People Magazine in an interview, her timing, her pitch were perfect. I could see it from day one. In 1980, Abraham opened a Tex-Mex restaurant where Selena and her siblings, Abraham III on bass guitar and Suzette Quintanilla on drums, would often perform. Unfortunately, the restaurant went under and the family declared bankruptcy. After this, the family resettled in Corpus Christi, Texas. Abraham became the manager of the newly formed band Selena y los Dinos. The group played on street corners, at weddings, quinceañeras, and fairs. When Selena's growing popularity began to interfere with her schoolwork, Abraham removed her from the eighth grade, much to the dismay of her teachers, who threatened to report Abraham to the Texas Board of Education. At 17, Selena earned a high school diploma from a distance education program. In 1984, Selena recorded her first record, Selena y los Dinos. Despite wanting to record English-language songs, Selena recorded Tejano music compositions. Tejano music is Spanish language with German influences of polka, jazz, and country music, popularized by Mexicans living in the United States. It was Abraham who believed Selena should record musical compositions related to her heritage. During the recording sessions for the album, Selena had to learn Spanish phonetically with the guidance of her father. Selena began achieving success in the Tejano music world. In 1987, she won her first Female Vocalist of the Year Award at the Tejano Music Awards, the first of what would now be nine in a row. In 1989, both Capitol Records and Sony Music offered Selena competing deals, ultimately going with EMI Latin, a division of Sony. Selena released her self-titled debut album on October 17, 1989. Selena peaked at number 7 on the U.S. Billboard Regional Mexican Albums chart, becoming Selena's first recording to debut on a national music chart. In the same year, Coca-Cola wanted Selena to be one of their spokespeople in Texas. The jingle, used in her first two commercials for the company, was composed by Selena's brother, A.B., and Chris Perez, the latter of whom had joined Selena y los Dinos several months earlier as the band's new guitarist. Perez began having romantic feelings for Selena despite having a girlfriend in San Antonio. 
After a trip to Mexico with the band, Perez thought it would be best for both of them to distance himself from her, but he found that impossible and chose to try to build a relationship with Selena. They expressed their feelings for each other at a Pizza Hut restaurant and shortly afterward became a couple. Perez and Selena hid their relationship, fearing Abraham would try to break it up. Selena's sister Suzette found Selena and Perez flirting with each other and immediately informed their father. Abraham informed the couple that they would no longer be seeing each other, but the romance continued despite Abraham's disapproval. After threatening to put an end to the band, Abraham fired Perez from the band and prevented Selena from leaving with him. On the morning of April 2, 1992, Selena and Perez decided to elope, as Selena thought Abraham would have to accept them if they were married. Within hours of their marriage, the media announced the couple's elopement. Abraham did not take the news well and alienated himself for some time. Abraham later approached Perez, apologized, accepted the marriage, and took Perez back into the band. A month after her elopement, Selena released her third studio album, Entre a Mi Mundo, in May 1992. The album was critically acclaimed as her breakthrough album. The recording peaked at number one on the U.S. Billboard Regional Mexican Albums chart for eight consecutive months. Entre a Mi Mundo became the first Tejano album by a female artist to sell over 300,000 copies. From that album, Como La Flor became Selena's signature recording. It was critically acclaimed by music critics as a career launcher for Selena. In 1993, Selena released a live recording album aptly titled Live. The album won the Grammy Award for Best Mexican-American Album at the 36th Grammy Awards. In May 1994, Live was named the Album of the Year by the Billboard Latin Music Awards. At the 1994 Tejano Music Awards, Live won Album of the Year. Aside from music, in 1994, Selena began designing and manufacturing a line of clothing. She opened two boutiques called Selena Etc., one in Corpus Christi and the other in San Antonio. She was in negotiations to open more stores in Monterey, Mexico, and Puerto Rico. Selena released her fourth album, Amor Prohibido, in March 1994. The recording debuted at number three on the U.S. Billboard Top Latin Albums chart and number one on the U.S. Billboard Regional Mexican Album charts. The albums garnered Selena more awards and nominations. Billboard magazine ranked Amor Prohibido among the most essential Latin recordings of the past 50 years and included it on its list of the top 100 albums of all time. In 2017, NPR ranked Amor Prohibido at number 19 on their list of the 150 greatest albums made by women. By 1995, work had already begun on her English-language crossover album. It's time for Hollyweird Post-Mortem. Why are Selena and her death so intriguing to this day? Is her demise the result of a criminal getting busted, or is there something more deranged about her being murdered by her biggest fan? Here's our best guess. Liz. Yes, Megan. <laughs> so, 
None of the things we talk about on this podcast are, are funny. No. Nothing about this is funny. No. But I feel like we try to identify any humorous spots to any story. Mm-hmm. There are no humorous spots here. No. This is by far the most depressing, upsetting story I think that we've covered this far. Mm-hmm. And I... So in writing um, our scripts, I do a lot of research and I um, read a lot of articles or books or um, I will watch a lot of interviews and things like that, um, despite some of our podcast reviews. Thank you very much. No. <laughs> um, and this left me really... Um, kind of just melancholy like the whole time I was researching it like I found it difficult to get out of my head and I found myself asking random people in my life um if they have ever listened to Selena or have you ever seen the movie with JLo or Mm -hmm. things like that I just wanted to talk about her with people Mm -hmm. so I guess that I guess so it resonated with me on a different level in that her charisma and her bubbly personality wanted, it left me wanting to talk about her with people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had her music playing in my house all the time. So I asked people if they remembered it, like from 1995, if they remembered hearing about it. Or like, were you first introduced to her with the Jennifer Lopez movie? Mm-hmm. Or um, did you see the news about the Netflix series? And I don't, I don't know why it left me feeling so differently. Or that she just lingered with me through the whole research process. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, that's such a sweet sentiment and, like, shows how much you, like, we care about our topics and the people that we learn about. And I think it shows how, I think it's how a lot of people feel because she had, she was, like, such a bright light and there was no controversy. And there was, like, she, we were truly, like, robbed of her talent and her presence in... Yeah, I think it was just because she was bigger than her music Mm -hmm. like she um was kind of like a beacon i think for a certain population of people Mm -hmm. and the fact that she was really teetering on crossover success Mm -hmm. like she had these songs in english that were coming out and her album that was about to come out and like you know we talk about I think of, like, our Aliyah episode. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, the saddest part about this is you know that she was going to get, like, Beyonce-level big. Yeah. You know? And I feel I feel kind of the same way about Selena. Like, she was about to um, elevate herself out of Texas, mm-hmm. you know? And she was about to become really mainstream. But I almost feel like even more than Aliyah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it meant... It meant so much to her fans... Um, her Spanish-speaking fans and her English fans, but in particular people who identified with Spanish culture, that someone who looked like them and sounded like them and spoke their language was making it into the mainstream. And that's kind of similar with Aaliyah and um, being an R&B artist and moving into pop. Yeah. Kind of the same feeling of like, yeah. oh, one of our one of our people is, so is I did, making it. I did get like, I found it reminiscent mm-hmm. um, of the previous episode we had done, which... Um, Aaliyah is my favorite Hollywood story, so Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe that's why Selena struck with me, because I was able to pick up tones of something that, like, really meant a lot to me, Mm -hmm. so, um, do you, 
have you ever do you have any selena memories or because i was a kid when she was very popular and i have like very vivid memories of my sister and my cousin dancing to bitty bitty bum bum uh-huh. like in our living rooms uh-huh. um did you ever listen to her music or anything like that? I definitely, it was part of my, like, pop culture lexicon. Definitely heard it in the 90s. But honestly, like, my introduction to her was, I remember watching, um, after she died, some kind of, like, horrible reenact, like, E. True Hollywood story reenactment. But it re- really freaked me out as a younger kid, the whole, the way that she died and, like, the whole incident with it. And I think just because she's almost this, like, you know, Christ-like figure of someone who did only good things and then was totally you know brutally taken from us Mm -hmm. um so I remember that really scaring me like I was way more familiar with the tragedy part oh okay I think you made a really good point a few minutes ago you were saying how there are no blemishes Mm -hmm. on her record um I think that she is popular and remembered for being a role model off the stage Mm -hmm. as well um she was active in anti-drug campaigns and aids awareness programs um and that you know anyone dies it's sad but when a person who's doing good for a lot of people dies Mm -hmm. i think that adds an element Mm -hmm. um so in doing research i learned that selena's death is basically the reason people and espanol exists Mm -hmm. which is fascinating yeah so people magazine is huge Agreed. Mm-hmm. I also think People in Espanol is a very large publication. Yeah. Like, I see that in grocery stores right mm-hmm. next to The Real Deal. Mm-hmm. Um, an issue of People magazine was released several days after her murder. Its publishers believed that interest would wane, and they released a commemorative issue um, within a week after um, the uh, initial release because interest was growing and not waning. Mm-hmm. The issue sold nearly a million copies, um, selling out entirely the first and second print runs. And this People magazine became a collector's item. Damn. Um, Betty Cortina, who was the editor and editor at People at the time, she told Biography um, that they never had an issue completely sell out and that it was unheard of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the following months, the company released People in Espanol aimed at the Hispanic market due to the success of the Selena issue. Mm-hmm. And following suit, uh, Newsweek in Espanol and Latina magazine. That's amazing. Yeah. And that just shows how far her reach really went. Like that she, she I mean, she like got Spanish speaking language magazines out there. That's crazy. Even in her death, she like did so much for, you know, people. I feel so I feel like we have respect for all of the celebrities we cover. Yes, despite our reviews, we do. <laughs> um, we wouldn't put them on a pedestal of sorts of having us devote our time to them if we didn't respect them in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the respect that Selena fans have had for her and have for her currently is something that doesn't really compare to anything else. I know I said Christ-like before, but it like borders on reverence. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I feel like part of their respect for her is an awareness and an understanding that the impact she was having on music was larger than just her. Mm-hmm. Like she, like 
the name Selena and all that comes with it is more impactful than just a woman singing songs. Mm -hmm. But also, like, piggybacking on this, I found it so surreal that she was able to continue living in her childhood neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Like, she lived um, in a home next door to the home she grew up in with her parents, and but yet 40,000 people came to her public viewing. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess I find it weird that she was able to live a normal, quote-unquote, normal life, Mm -hmm. but she had this much resonance and impact on people. It is, but I think an explanation could possibly be, you know, pretty much any culture other than white, Caucasian, um, you know, whatever came over on the Mayflower culture is pretty much considered collectivist in that it's less about, like, the individual and way more about, like, who we are as a community, how we help each other, you know, good things. Um, and that, like, you share success, you share money, you share the things that you have with people in your community. Um, and Hispanic and Latinx culture is very much like that. And I think that it kind of makes sense because it – there was a sensation of like, yeah, she's ours. Like she's a part of our community. It doesn't really matter if she's super famous because she's still the girl that we know. So I think that that makes sense that like she could be so famous, but still not to reference JLo, Jenny from the block. Mm-hmm. I also think uh, another explanation of that could be the time in which she was famous. Like there mm-hmm. were not photos of the front of her home all over the internet. Right. So yeah. it, it was maybe she was able to live a little more incognito because... She wasn't as discoverable. And she was also still, like, while she was breaching crossover status, she was still, um, like, a Spanish-language artist who hadn't quite made it to the mainstream. So that kind of explains it still that, like, she was very famous, but in a certain community. Um, And then additionally, I think that she maintains that Christ-like level today Mm -hmm. um, because she was just a genuine, kind person. So there are stories... um, that she was kind even to the woman whom she already knew stole from her mm-hmm. and who would ultimately be the cause of her death. In the days before Selena's death, Saldivar delayed handing over the bank statements and financial records that Selena was asking for, claiming that she was experiencing a trauma of having been physically and sexually assaulted while in Mexico. So Selena went with her to a medical clinic to have her examined. Mm-hmm. During that visit, she wasn't given, like, a gynecological exam, just kind of a a look over, Um, and they suggested that she be examined um, in San San Antonio where she was living, but, um, like, that story aside, whether it was true, whether it wasn't, just the fact that Selena would accompany her to a clinic Mm -hmm. when she should understandably be pissed that she has embezzled thousands of dollars from her, um, you know, I think speaks to the wholeness of her heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I could have the, we all hope that we can, but the, you know, the ego strength to do that. Yes. To help somebody who, you know, hurt you. Exactly. Um, so the only, um, and not, not jokey element of this story, but like a hi element of this story. <laughs> um, what do you think about Selena's dad? I don't know. He's not, you know, he's not quite like momager status. He's not quite a Chris Jenner. Dadager. Dadager. But, you know, he removed her from school to continue with her career um, at a very young age. They were a family affair, Selena y los Dinos. But she, you know, we, we remember Selena. We know it was her family band, but we remember Selena. Um, I don't know. I'm a little on the fence about him. Yeah, like, I feel like he 
I guess I don't know if he did everything he could to make his daughter's dreams come true or if he did everything he could to make his dreams come true for his daughter. Ooh. <sighs> Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so there's that whole element. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole, I mean beautifully portrayed by Jenny from the Block in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he he objected to her romance with Chris Perez at first because any dad feels like any guy's not good enough for their daughter, mm-hmm. but this was like a whole nother level. He didn't want Chris interfering with her career, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, the only thing that kind of makes me like question him continually to this day is he, um, Selena's father, Abraham, owns the rights to Selena's image name and voice Mm -hmm. that's a lot of separate elements to own the rights to but shortly after she died he made all those close to her sign agreements acknowledging that abraham owns selena's image name and voice Hmm. including her husband chris perez well (laughs) chris uh wrote a book to selena with love in 2012 Um, so this was over 15 years Uh after her death. I guess, um, Selena's fans had kind of been hopeful that he would do something like this in honor of her, um, and not petitioned him, but had repeatedly asked him for it. And he did. He was at a spot in his life. He was clean by this point. Um, he had children and was divorced. So this was the time in his life that he felt he could do that. Abraham sued him. (gasps) Because he infringed on Abraham's ownership of Selena's image, name, and voice. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how I feel about that. So when you when we're talking about this, it makes me think of when Elvis died. Um, he was like penniless. He had like a thousand dollars in a checking account, and that was it. Considering he was like you know, the king. So some <laughs> there's an eye roll there. Um, Someone suggested to Priscilla Presley to copyright everything, like everything Elvis, like his image, his music, so they could live off of something because they didn't have anything. And that's why to this day, um, you know, you have to pay for any kind of Elvis anything. And that's how they maintain income. So maybe he is more of a Chris Jenner than I'm giving him credit for because so he's like the leader of this family. He, you know, was the manager of their, you know, Selena Elostinos, and he's thinking, you know, how are we going to survive now that really, like, the the image of the family, probably the breadwinner of the family is gone. So maybe that was kind of a solution. Like, th- so that's pretty pragmatic. I wouldn't quite call it, like, cold, but maybe he was just thinking about it along those lines. Um and then if he did that and Chris knew about it, Chris was violating the agreement. Mm-hmm. It's still pretty cold. Yes. As of December 2018, um, Chris Perez lost an appeal to dismiss the lawsuit by Abraham mm. um, and was still on the hook to pay all legal fees. Ooh. Okay, so I really feel for Chris Perez, this poor guy. So all of this, meaning Selena's murder, went down two days before their wedding anniversary. I know. That's incredibly sad. It's really sad. Um, Additionally, he struggled with alcohol and substance abuse in the years that followed. 
Um, he did remarry and have two children, but that marriage ended in divorce. He still does music as his main gig. Um, but I just feel for him. Yeah. I feel for everybody in this situation. Including, speaking of which, and I don't want to speculate too much, but Yolanda Slavidar. What? <laughs> what do you mean, what? <sighs> Who is this person and, like, why the decisions that she made? Like, embezzling from your employer is one thing that's actually pretty common. Um, but why was that her solution? And not only did she shoot Selena, but then she, like, held herself hostage or she wouldn't surrender to the police for nine hours. Right. And threatened to kill herself. Like, what? what is well, going I mean, on? So do you think there's some type of mental illness there? I mean, that's speculation, but yes. <laughs> like... I just always thought about that. Like, you know, she wasn't, she was killed by, like, her biggest fan, but it wasn't this weird, like, an obsession thing. It was, like, shit, I got caught. Oh, yes, it was, how am I going to get out of this bad situation? Yeah, but, and, like, but that was a solution. Yeah, so, like, so she has done several interviews with news outlets, like, from prison. Oh, God. (laughs) And she... So Jody Arias. (laughs) So she... And so she admitted that she had an unhealthy obsession with Selena. Hmm. But it feels more opportunistic than it does like she was very into this singer. Yes. And if you think about it, it really is like the ultimate betrayal. And this is how stuff happens. Like usually when things happen to people, if people get murdered, it's someone close to them. If you are assaulted or you're abusing kids, it's usually someone close to you. They really trusted her because she was so close to the family with all these business dealings and then she really like screwed them over and then and then that was how she chose to deal with it right and i mean they gave her so many opportunities from the um being a manager at the clothing boutiques to being fan club president to trusting her with this financial information Uh um i mean yeah that's a bad situation that they really entrusted a lot into this woman Uh she stole from them and then I had, I don't know how much merit there is to this, but so two stories that kind of blew my mind. One was that she had, she being Yolanda, had purchased a gun earlier in the month and told Selena, well, I have a gun. And Selena was like, return it. <laughs> so she did and then repurchased it again in the days leading up to. So like, was she... Was she trying to bluff at first? Like, hmm. don't make don't make mountains out of these embezzlement molehills because I have a gun. Like, was that a real thing? And then the other thing I had heard that I don't know how much merit there is to this either was that Saldivar shot Selena to make it look like something it wasn't like, um, like she died in a random robbery uh-huh. or something like that. So she could basically get away with these financial records that the whole reason selena was meeting her at the motel for anyway was to get evidence Mm -hmm. receipts yeah i don't to me it just seems like she she got caught and she panicked totally totally agree okay so when she went to trial and was sentenced she was sentenced to at least 30 years in prison Mm -hmm. those 30 years are up in 2025 which is right around the corner what do you think's gonna happen 
I don't know. I mean, so on the like, if you think about it, if she was just a normal person who did this, uh, she could be put up for parole and leave because she's done her time. However, she murdered an incredible icon who the world is really missing, whose family is very active and present in the media talking about it. So, <laughs> I don't know. That, that judge has a hard decision. Because probably legally, she's eligible and she could be paroled. But what would the public say about it? And what would like the public response be? Part of me thinks she's safer in prison. Yeah. Like, she'd be a huge target walking around Corpus Christi, don't you think? Yeah, but she's probably a huge target in prison, too. Yeah. I wonder I wonder if they keep her segregated for her safety. Oh, probably. So in September of 2019, she asked for a new trial, claiming that the <gasps> prosecution withheld evidence. Oh. Uh, oh. What evidence could they withhold? So she claimed that a pair of white Reebok high-top tennis shoes, which is anything more 1995 than white <laughs> Reebok high-top tennis shoes, and a black uh, baseball cap. These are what Selena was wearing when she was shot. So Yolanda is saying that these existed in the case's evidence files but had not been shown to her defense attorney and were being hidden from them. Um, so because... Things that were held in evidence were not given equal opportunity for viewing by the prosecution Mm. and the defense. She's saying that that, I mean, I don't understand how a pair of tennis shoes and a hat would make her any less guilty, but I guess if it's just an opportunity for a new trial, I think she's trying. Mm -hmm. I mean, probably constitutionally, yes, that would fly, but so what, they have another trial they show the evidence, mm-hmm. and the evidence says you're well, still guilty. You're still guilty. So let's talk Selena, but make it fashion. <laughs> Wait, where is that from? I don't know. What is that from? But make it fashion. <laughs> so the way this woman dressed was innovative and groundbreaking, and 25 years later, some of her looks are still beyond iconic. Seriously. So what comes immediately to mind is that purple jumpsuit outfit that she wore at her last performance at mm-hmm. the rodeo. Um, all of the bustiers and bedazzled brassieres. I do want to say something. And this is not <laughs> slut shaming. It's just, so she's beautiful and has an amazing figure. Designed her own outfits. They're very sexy. And it's for her family band. <laughs> Some of the outfits that she wears, if, I, if my dad was the manager, it'd be like... <laughs> Or if you were, like, performing on stage with your sister on drums, would you be wearing a crop top uh, bustier? And, like, miles and miles of, you know, torso. I, that's just, is it just me? So, are you saying that they are, as Selena y Los Dinos, they were, like, a family values type of band, and she's half naked on stage? Is that your argument? Yes. Like, for example... After Beyonce fired her dad as her manager, then she started doing Drunken then she, Love. Then she was free from the denim trio. <laughs> yes. And she, like, so it was, like, the last album that she made with her dad still on board was, like, Sasha Fierce. And then after that, she got all sexy and started talking about how she really likes having sex with Jay-Z. 
which I would imagine was not either maybe something she didn't want to have her dad on board for or something her dad was like, no, nah, we're not doing that. So I guess that's just the part that's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hear you. I mean, but also I think maybe in the cultural context that was normal and fine. Maybe. Or the other thing I'm thinking is she's twirling around on stage and her, um, like, the cape on her crop top is twirling around and looks really cool. She's not, like, grinding on the guitar player in a bra. That is true. And maybe I'm over-sexualizing her just because she is beautiful. Because I don't think she presented herself that way. Yeah. But her outfits are very sexy. They are. Yeah. And she did have a killer figure. She really did. So anyway, known for her fashion, just last year, Forever 21, R.I.P. question mark. Um... (laughs) Not to me. <laughs> um, released a collection dedicated to Selena called The White Rose. And it featured t-shirts, pants, hoodies, and accessories. When I typed this on our notes, I first typed accessory. <laughs> Thank you, Lizzo. Um, but, uh, yeah, I saw that recently and I was like, what is happening? And again, I think that's Abraham and his copywriting of selena's image and voice using it again and it's you know it's actually pretty genius marketing yeah and i mean are they pairing like selena love fashion check out the selena shirt probably they do the same thing with Aaliyah. and i asked you if i could wear an Aaliyah shirt and you said no sorry i mean i'd rather you be honest with me not for you (laughs) um not for you She, Selena, remains huge with celebrities today, which I think is um, something that keeps her perpetually in the discussion. Uh-huh. So she is always going to have the J-Lo factor uh-huh. associated with her. Uh-huh. Um, and and same in the reverse. J-Lo will always have Selena associated with her. Uh-huh. Um, not a bad pairing. No. I would argue that Selena is bigger than Jennifer Lopez. Agree or disagree? I think in the genre and the community that she was part of, even though she was crossing over to pop, yes. But Jennifer Lopez, just because she has has the advantage of time and a longer career and that she crossed over, I think she is bigger. So it depends on your audience? Yes. Okay. Fair. You, you know, played her in 1997, so you were just 25 years old. It made you a superstar overnight. Ugh. The impact that it had Mm -hmm. on my life, my career. It was a great thing for Mm -hmm. her to be my mentor, you know, Mm -hmm. in a way. And and to teach me so much about, yes, how to navigate this business, but also, like, how to navigate through life. Do you think she's still a mentor to others as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is one of the things that makes it so emotional. I'm I'm watching her on that scrim as the audience is watching Mm -hmm. as well, and her dancing and doing all that. It's like, she was here, she'd be doing what I'm doing right now. And she wasn't even 23 years old. I mean, do you ever think about, I mean, what if, like, what would she be? I I do. It's a sad story. It still gets me to this day, you know because it really did mark my life at that time. And, and to get to know the family and work with them and everything, it was just, it was, a, it was an important part of my life. And having- Still her, is. Yeah, I see. And it's still emotional, I know. You found your voice through Selena. I really did.
um, Selena Gomez was named after Selena Quintanilla. Didn't realize that, but that makes sense. Um, so, from Texas, mm-hmm. also, Selena Gomez was born in 1992. And um, in interviews, Selena Gomez has said that she's been to the other Selena's home, grave, has met her family. So, I guess mm. I didn't realize that she was, like, such a huge fan, either. Um, she had said in the interview clip that I saw that her name was originally going to be Priscilla. And that she had, like, a girl cousin born a few months ahead of her whose name happened to be then Priscilla. So her parents were like, got to find a new name. <laughs> and they picked Selena because they were big fans, which I'm like, you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Priscilla Gomez doesn't really have the uh, no, the ring to it. I feel like Bieber would have been, like, pass. <laughs> um, <laughs> Who knows at this point? While playing at the Houston Rodeo, which is Purple Jumpsuit Selena's last performance. Right. Um, Cardi B, Camille Cabello, and Casey Musgraves all paid tribute to Selena. So, um, like I just said, that was Selena's last performance in February of 1995. She played for more than 60,000 people at the Houston Astrodome, making it the biggest draw uh, for the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo that year. Mm-hmm. Um, Camilla sang Dreaming of You, Casey Musgrave sang Como La Flor, um, and Selena's sister Suzette actually shared Casey's um, performance on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So, that's like a good stamp of approval uh-huh. and then cardi b uh danced to Kamala floor during her performance so uh-huh. that just shows like so casey musgraves is a country singer she's alt country and you know i actually i love casey musgraves and i love her style but that just shows how wide selena's influence is that a country singer who's from the same state was so influenced by selena that she wanted to pay tribute yeah absolutely um some more things about selena being ever present in today's culture. There is a festival called Fiesta de la Flor. It's a two-day music festival in Corpus Christi that uh, pays tribute to Selena. It's basically a Tejano music festival, Uh um, but hugely popular. I was looking at pictures of this, like everyone has Selena t-shirts and like, it just seems like a very big deal for that music scene, but all in her name. And some kind of breaking news in terms of us recording this podcast. So there is a Netflix series about the life of Selena coming soon. Christian Serratos from The Walking Dead. Um, She plays Rosita on The Walking Dead. She is going to step into the purple jumpsuit and play (laughs) Selena. Um, That's great. I... So I thought this was interesting. Um, when J-Lo was cast in the movie, so Jennifer Lopez is of Puerto Rican descent, and um, since Selena is of Mexican descent, there was there were some people who were upset at that. So um, Christian is of Mexican and Italian descent, so there are some people who are more happy about that. But um, when this trailer was released, which is very unique, did you see it? Uh-huh. Oh, the one-minute trailer, It's it leads you to believe that it is the character of Selena... Um, going about her day to day, and then like you hear like the bell ring, um, and like cut get called, mm-hmm. and then it's like, all right, Christian, we're ready for you on set. It's kind of cool, mm-hmm. but anyway, the one minute trailer was trending on all of YouTube after it was released, mm-hmm. which I think just goes to show how many people are interested in seeing this mm-hmm. all these years later. 
And I think ultimately what it comes down to is we just can't fathom the magnitude of Selena. It's so big. Mm-hmm. So big. Um, she remains the best-selling Latin music female artist of all time. Mm-hmm. And again, with her being popular with other celebrities, um, I saw a lot of video clips about celebrities sharing their Selena stories or just talking about how much they admire her, et cetera, et cetera. Eva Longoria said she would have been bigger than all of us, which I was like, pause. Uh, Selena's bigger than you already, <laughs> Eva Longoria, okay? Um, and then, Listen, we all like Desperate Housewives, but come on. And I watched, <laughs> I watched some videos of... Um, singers like singing her songs in tribute on stage and the first thing that I thought was their stage presence just doesn't Uh compare like her stage presence was really one of a kind she was just dancing and singing and engaging with not only her own band but the audience um and it really felt like amateurs singing her songs Uh um all right what else yeah it's kind of like when anyone does a Whitney cover Yeah, you tried. You tried. You tried. Good job. Well, I guess all we can say is that we are such Selena stands. Megan, in particular, really, really loves Selena. Yeah, I'm happy that we finally got to do this episode and you know talk about her and pay tribute to her and maybe um, introduce her to some listeners who may not have heard of her before. Um, uh, Yeah, we're just happy that we got to do this one. So Uh hopefully, you learned something. Um, you learn something. You listen, you learn something. God, just someday I hope I can look a tenth of as good as she does in that purple jumpsuit. I know. Don't be Selena for Halloween unless you're Latinx or Hispanic. That, that's it. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>